Amen. Thank you, Aaron. If you have your Bibles, open up to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. If you're visiting with us, we've been going through Nehemiah. Do we need to let our children slip out? Did they slip out already? Oh, no, they're staying. Okay, first Sunday. I don't even know what the date is. Next Sunday, spring forward. I know that. We're going to lose an hour of sleep. The good news is you make that up this afternoon. Take a nap. Take a nap. Uh, also, more good news. I have, uh, Joey, I have somebody's giving money for your ticket. So you're set. It's one way, though. That's the only thing. <laughs> I am grateful for, uh, for Joey. I love you, man. We're going to have a, an awesome trip. Our, our mission here at Crossroads is to make disciples that serve, shelter, and support the transforming work of Christ. And to do that, we have to be mindful of what Aaron just sung for us, that this is our temporary home. Uh, it's easy to think that we're going to be here forever. I mean, we take out 30-year mortgages, nothing necessarily wrong with that. But, you know, we make investments, nothing necessarily wrong with that. But we sometimes live in such a way as if we're going to be here forever. This is only our temporary home. Last week, we had a great time of worship, by the way. We had worship night, and we had some big post-its down here. And many of you came up and you wrote, on those pieces of big white post-it, a word to describe who Jesus is for you, ruler, son of God, almighty. Uh, it was a fantastic time of worship, so um, I just wanted to share with some of you that missed it what you missed. We had a great, great time of worship. Next Sunday, by the way, we're going to have a team from the Dominican Republic here, college students that will be um, serving this summer down there, and they're going to be coming to some of your Sunday school classes. I've challenged them to come share their testimony. So it'll give them practice, so thank you. It'll take about five minutes for some of your classes and also uh, allow you to ask them questions. Many of them have spent a lot of time on the ground uh, in the Dominican Republic. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Nehemiah chapter 6. We've been going through the study of Nehemiah, which is an awesome book of the Bible. Nehemiah, a visionary leader who God came to, one of those ordinary people that Joey was describing who in God's hands became extraordinary because he said yes. And he said yes to rebuilding a wall. And we're going to wrap up this part of the, of the book today in this chapter where the wall actually gets completed because the end game is not the wall. The city had been rebuilt, but remember the wall had been torn down and was unfortified so people could attack the city had they chosen to do so. And so God goes to Nehemiah and says, I want you to rebuild the wall, but it wasn't about the wall. We'll, we'll discover it's about having a city that is surrounded, protected, so that it can bring glory and honor to God and worship God. That's the end game. Much like, as much as I love church, as much as I love being with you on Sunday mornings, as much as I love our worship, church is not the end game. We sometimes think it's the end game. And sometimes, just like Aaron's song, Temporary Home, we build huge monuments and buildings, nothing necessarily wrong with that, like church is the end game. The end game is the kingdom of God. That's the end game. Jesus told us that in Matthew 6, He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The church is what helps bring about the kingdom. Sometimes we get them confused and we think that God was all about the church. He ordained the church. We're the bride of Christ. He died for the church, so we're important. But sometimes we think we're all that. 
And we're only important as we become that ordinary vessel in the hands of an extraordinary God that can bring about his kingdom. And Nehemiah is a guy that understood that. That's why he said yes. Uh, I, I know that he wasn't all excited perhaps about building and moving things. By the way, we had a lot of people who were excited about building and moving things yesterday. Thank you, thank you, church family. We had a lot of people come out yesterday and help us move offices. Trust me, it would be 2025 and we'd still be moving if you guys had not shown up yesterday. We had a lot of ladies and men show up yesterday, so thank you. And we're doing that because even our offices where the staff have been are temporary homes because we want to make space for children. And we want to see God's kingdom grow. We want to see more people reach. So we come to Nehemiah chapter 6. And, and Nehemiah has faced opposition. He's faced spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Those outside the church's enemies that were trying to get to him. Uh, opposition inside we looked at last week. But we get to this chapter. And we find out that life is still not easy. Because he has some things that come against him. That try to get him unfocused. And really try to bring distraction. And I was thinking about this on the drive in from church this morning. I was thinking, wow, we live in a world that we are just so distracted. And I was thinking, I don't know why I thought about this story, but I was thinking about, gosh, this has probably been 40 years ago, sitting in a restaurant with my mom and dad, and we had ordered our drinks from the waitress, and about 10 minutes later, she came by and she said, is is everything all right? And we said, well, you know, we, we, we need to order. And she's, oh, 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 yeah, that's right. You need to order. So we ordered. About 15 minutes later, she came back by. She said, you know, is everything all right? We thought she meant, you know, do you need your drinks refilled because the food's coming out? But that's not what she meant because another 15 minutes went by. Another 15, Finally, it got to be a game. I just said, Dad, let's just wait and see how long it takes. Finally, after about an hour, he, he obviously was getting hungry. He's like, we're not staying here because they're obviously not bringing the food. And she was so distracted. I don't know what was going on, but she was so distracted. We live in the same kind of world, maybe even more so. And not just things that would distract us from physical food, but I believe things that the enemy brings into our path or we allow into our lives that distract us from being focused on what God has called us to do. As believers, sometimes we might be the most notorious for that because God has called us to a task and he uses sometimes things that sometimes can be good actually the enemy will use to distract us from doing and being about the mission of God so by the way just in case you're wondering and you were hoping I wouldn't say anything there's room for more of you to go to Malawi Africa <laughs> so if the Lord lays that on your heart come see us we're going to go to see that pastor that many of you were here that Sunday you heard from. We're going to go to, into his villages and get to share the love of Jesus and train some pastors. So I hope that if you feel led, you'll join us. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 6. Pick up the story. It came about when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, to Geshem the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach or no gap, some translations say no gap, I like that, no gap remained in it. Although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Sepharim in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. Let's stop right there. So here we have Nehemiah is about the task that God has called him to be about, and it's reported 
because word was traveling about what was happening with the wall. Remember, he's had opposition. It's reported what's going on, and so he gets this message that comes to him from Sanballat and Geshem saying, hey, can you come see us? We need to get together. We need to have a little chat. The first thing about staying on track is you need to be aware there are schemes of the devil. This scheme is the very first scheme that is, comes out in this chapter from Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. They're scheming, and what are they scheming to do? He tells us in verse 2 they were planning to harm him. They call him out and say, hey, come see us. He, he should have gotten kind of the hint from the name of the place, oh no. I mean, that should have given it, given it off right there. But he gets called out. This, this little place, community, is about 19 miles away from Jerusalem. Not a long distance by today's standards. We could drive there pretty quickly. But 19 miles away, probably by horseback or by mule or by walking, it's a pretty good distance. That He's getting called away from the responsibility that God has given him. One of the devil's schemes we have to watch out for. What are some of the devil's schemes? He has a lot of schemes in our world and in our life today, just like in Nehemiah's day. A lot of schemes, a lot of things that can get us off track. Every single one of the devil's schemes are to do one thing. Jesus tells us in John 10 what that is. To kill, steal, and destroy. That is the devil's scheme. Everything that he's going to try to do in your life as a believer is to steal, kill, or destroy you. But Jesus has come that you and I might have life and have life abundant. So if we're going to stay on track, we've got to be mindful that the schemes of the devil are there. Notice the wall of protection that had been built was to do just that, was to protect him. So these guys, and obviously it must have been working, because these guys send him a letter and try to lure him outside of the protection of the walls to have a discussion. When I was reading this again this morning, I, I wrote down this question for myself. What... What is the world trying to lure us out of? What walls of protection are the world trying to lure us out of? In, in a sense, if I can say it this way, our body of Christ, the way that we prayed for each other today, when we come together on Sundays, this community of faith that we have is a place of protection. If you're here, and you are. But if you're not here, and you're lured out to do other things then you forego that protection and that community and that encouragement and that upbuilding that happens when we gather together. That's why coming to church is important. Coming to church is not important just so you can get a check mark or a gold star or perfect attendance. Coming to church and gathering together with brothers and sisters in Christ is because within that moment of us doing that, within the time of us doing that, we're encircled, so to speak, by the protection of God and the Holy Spirit as we gather in this sanctuary, this holy place, to hear from Him. But oftentimes the devil's scheme is to lure us away, to do other things. Go into the lake, go into the mountains. Nothing wrong with those things. Go have fun with your family. But if you do that habitually and you do that to the point that you negate spending time with brothers and sisters in Christ or worshiping and fellowshipping together, then you better be careful because that thing that could be a good thing, the enemy could use that and lure you out of the protection of God. And Nehemiah was very smart and aware of this. So how did he avoid this great scheme? What does he answer? Well, let's, let's read it in verse 3. He sends a messenger back, actually messengers back, and he says to Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem, verse 3, he says, I am doing a great work, 
and I cannot come down, why should the work stop while I leave and come down to you? What a great answer. What a great response. How did he avoid their schemes? He was doing a great work. You know, my dad used to say this to me, idle hands are a devil's workshop. If you're busy doing the things of God, if you're busy doing the work of God and about the things of God, there's less time for the enemy to distract you. But if you're not, and you're busy chasing or being lured by other things that are not important, it's much easier for the devil to lure you and to get your attention. I'm not suggesting that we keep busy for the sake of being busy. I am suggesting that we get on with the work that God's called us to do. And if we're about doing the things God's called us to do, we will have less time for the enemy to lure us perhaps somewhere that we don't need to be. And Nehemiah understood this. He says, I was carrying on a great project. I'm busy. I'm working. I'm not bored. Let me just say, if you're a child of God and you find yourself bored in the community of faith, most likely it's an internal problem. Internal. Sometimes it's an external problem, but most often it's internal. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a perception that this church is supposed to be all about you and for you. That's not what this church is supposed to be about. It is supposed to help us, yes. It's supposed to encourage us, the body of Christ. But ultimately, our purpose is his purpose, not my purpose. Can you imagine if we all showed up here on a Sunday morning with a couple hundred different agendas? Oh, my goodness. Talk about disunity. By the way, there are churches that exist that way but we have to be about one agenda and one focus and we've got to watch out for the schemes of the enemy because those are the schemes that can take us off track and nehemiah was aware of that so he sent messengers what else does he say in verse four verse four if we're going to stay on track we've got to be prepared for persistent attacks verse four says he sent messages to me four times in this manner. And he answered them every single time in the same way. I, I want to tell you that the enemy is relentless. The enemy is not just going to try to get you to fall in one area of your life one time. He is cunning. He is crafty. His demons are cunning and crafty. He's going to just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. He's relentless. And that's exactly what we see here in this passage. We see that We've got to be prepared for these persistent attacks. Don't think the devil is just going to attack you one time and go, oh, they didn't fall for that, I'm going to give up. Man, it would be awesome if that was the case. <laughs> ah, beat him one time, it's over. No. Is it just me that I wake up every morning and it's like, the devil's just right there, over and over and over, trying to get me distracted or tempted or just pulled away in some area? That's a good sign, by the way, because it means you're trying to live for God. If you don't sense that in your life, it may mean you're moving in the same direction as the enemy, and so he doesn't need to bother you. So these attacks are going to come. So we've got to be aware of the devil's schemes, but also be aware that he is persistent, and he's persistently going to attack. So how does Nehemiah respond? He says the same thing to him. He answered him in the same way. I'm, not, I'm about a great work. I don't have time for that. So what else happens? Sam Ballot keeps pushing we see this third thing. We have to know that the devil will recruit aides to do his dirty work. So Sam Ballot realizes he's not listening to me. Let me try a different tactic. Verse 5, Sam Ballot sent his servant to me in the same manner. 
Interesting words. In the same manner, a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And in the letter was written these words. It's reported among the nations, and Gashmu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. That's why you're rebuilding this wall, and you're going to be their king according to their reports. Does it sound like cable news that we're listening to right there? And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you, a king is in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. So at this point, Sambalat has recruited some other people to come along and to do his dirty work. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about posting the guards and knowing who people were in our life that can help us be accountable to one another. Nehemiah had those people in his life. He also had those people that he knew maybe could not be trusted. Those people that would stab him in the back. You know, that's why it's so very, very important that you and I be careful who we befriend. You know, I, I was thinking in high school, college, I mean, even today, I can trace almost every single negative decision back to a friendship or what I thought was a friendship. Because we allow people to speak into our lives, and sometimes those that we allow to speak into our lives, we probably shouldn't. We have to be very careful because the devil will, will get aged to do his dirty work. He will recruit people to get on board with him to carry out his plan. And he uses his tactic that he uses almost 100% of the time when it comes to causing us to mess up, and that is this, lies. Why, why does he do that? Because he is the father of all lies. I mean, you think about it. Any place that you've fallen in your life spiritually, with temptation, with an issue, with a friend, with a marriage, any sin that you've allowed in your life, do you realize every single one of those starts with a lie? Every single one. That's the devil's chief motive because he is the father of all lies. And so what does he do? He uses the same tactic here with Nehemiah. So what happens? Let's read it. Verse 10. Excuse me, verse 8. Nehemiah responds. He sends the same message to him. After they, these quote-unquote reports, Nehemiah sends a message saying, these things you're saying have not been done, but you are, my New American Standard says, inventing them in your own mind. Some translations say you're making this stuff up. Like a lot of what we hear in social media or on the news. You're just making this stuff up. You're making these stories up, trying to get us to believe it. Can I encourage you, don't believe everything in your news feed or your social media feed. Wake up, people. Don't swallow everything hook, line, and sinker that you see on TV or that you read as truth. There's only one source of truth that's right here. Everything else, you need to run through the filter of this book. Because it may sound like truth. It may even look like truth. It may taste like chicken, look like chicken, and everything else, but it might not be chicken. And that's exactly the case here. Sambal and his crew were creating these false reports. You ever had somebody share a false report about you? You ever had that happen? I've had that happen. I've had that happen and kind of circle around among other friends, even to the point where they start to believe those false reports. It's not a good feeling. You, you, you want to, you like Joey said, look, Moses, you want to go out and be healed in Jesus' name. I mean, you want to do it in Jesus' name, right? 
But it doesn't make you happy to have these false reports. Here Nehemiah is. Can you imagine somebody who has sacrificed, who's taken on the mantle of God, the mission of God that he's been called to, to go rebuild the walls? He's done all this. He's actually nearing completion. We're going to find out he's completing the walls and trying to do all this good. And then you hear reports from these people. Well, this is what's happening. They give these all these false reports. Well, this is what you rebuilt the walls so that you can become their king. And that's what's going on. I'm not sure how I would have responded, but Nehemiah responds in wonderful fashion because he doesn't believe everything that he's hearing. So in verse 8, he responds a couple different ways. He responds honestly to them by just saying, you're making this stuff up. You're inventing this. This must be in your own mind. That's not true. You're making this up. He was honest in his response to them, but he was also honest in his response to God because he says this in verse 9, For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking that we would become discouraged with the work and it would not be done. But now, he says to God, he prays to God, God, strengthen my hands. He's honest. With God, he prays for strength. Awesome response. But it doesn't stop there. You get to verse 10. When I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delii, son of Mahatabal, who was confined at home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you at night. But Nehemiah says in verse 11, Should a man like me flee, and could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I'm not going to go in. Verse 12, Nehemiah says, I perceive that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. So Tobiah and Samballot send the message, that doesn't work. The fifth time they send a servant with a message, that doesn't work. The next time, remember I said the enemy's relentless, the next time they hire this guy to go to Nehemiah, this hired gun, to disguise himself or be an actor and come up to Nehemiah as if he's his friend and say, hey, they're going to come to kill you. Better than that, they're going to come kill you at night. We need to get you out of this city. Caution flag should have been right there. We need to get you out of this city, and where we're going to take you is we're going to take you into the temple, into the holy place, and we'll protect you right there. What do we know about the temple? Folks, what do we know about the temple, you Old Testament scholars? What do we know? There's only one person that could go into the holy place. Who was that? Only the priest could go into the holy place. Nehemiah couldn't even go into the holy place. So right then, Nehemiah goes, okay, trickery, deceit, intimidation, all the tactics of the enemy. And so what does he say? Verse 11, could a man like me flee? Am I going to go into this temple? I'm not going to go in. Verse 13, he tells us he was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly in sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. I think I mentioned last week or maybe the week before last, one of my spiritual heroes of the faith, Dr. Billy Graham. And I mentioned to you, if you were here, you remember this, that one of the things that he did to protect himself into post guards when he would go into hotels is he would make sure somebody go, would go into the hotel room first and check the room and make sure there was nobody in there. He would have the TV removed. He would do things that some of us would consider crazy to protect his reputation. I think that the enemy, for some of us, 
The enemy is so cunning and crafty, and some of you in this room have such an opportunity to impact the kingdom of God and and see the gospel explode in your community, in your workplace. I would caution you this morning to be very careful and to look out for lies because the enemy may plant people and hire people to come into your life to to deceive you. Say, really? He, He did that with Nehemiah. He does that every day. Turn on the news. The enemy plants people among us, maybe even some in churches and congregations all across America, who look like believers, maybe don't act like believers, maybe they say the all lingo of having a relationship with Jesus, but they don't. They're plants. They're spies. Happens all the time. And their job, their, their motive is to come in and bring destruction. Be very, very careful. Nehemiah sees this happening, and and obviously the Lord speaks to him and reveals this to him because he says, they came and hired him that he would be frightened. So he cries out to God in verse 14. Again, seems to be his standard response, right? He cries out to God, and he prays out to God in verse 14. He says, remember, oh my God, Tobiah and Sambalat according to these works of theirs, and also Noadiah, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. Wow. So what do we do when we get distracted with all these things in our life that can cause us to get off track, the enemy schemes and the lies and people that we need to be aware of? Let's look at what he did, what Nehemiah did, verse 15. He says, The wall was completed on the 25th of the month Elul in 52 days, which is a remarkable thing that in 52 days they rebuilt the wall around this city, 52 days. We've moved offices in like a few hours. That was pretty close. It's pretty close. 52 days they rebuilt this wall around the city. And verse 16 it says, And it came about. This is so critical. I just saw this this morning, so don't miss this. Verse, verse 16. It came about when all the enemies heard of it, and all the nations surrounding saw it, they lost their confidence. The enemy that was opposing Nehemiah lost their confidence in being able to frighten him and overtake him and destroy him for two things. Two things. One, they heard about the completion of the wall. They heard about what was happening. The second thing, the nations around saw the completion of the wall. I wrote down this morning when I got here to the, uh, to the church, two things. Does the world hear and see what's happening in the church of God today? Because if they did, they would lose their confidence in places where their confidence is misplaced, and they would place their confidence in Jesus. But sometimes they don't hear and see what's happening That's why testimonies are so important. So you can hear what God's doing in somebody else's life. You can see. That's why gathering together as brothers and sisters is so important. Wow. The enemy saw or heard. And the nations surrounding saw. They lost their confidence. Why? Because they recognized, verse 16, that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. You and I are going to be able to keep pushing and stay focused. Number five, we've got to turn to God and put all our confidence in Him. 
Proverbs says it this way in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your own heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths or make your paths straight. Who is your confidence in today? Is it in a preacher? Oh, my, I hope not. Is it in your church family? I hope not. Got a great church family. This is awesome. But your confidence and my confidence has to be in the one true God who is never failing. And when our confidence is placed there and our enemies hear that our confidence is placed there and the nations around us see that our confidence is placed there, then their hearts will be turned. Verse 17 says, In those days many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. There was some letter writing going back and forth. Because many people in Judah, verse 18, were bound by oath to Tobiah. Oh, uh-oh. Because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Jehonan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Those are some good words for your future children. You can name them. I love that. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. And we'll pick that up next week. Even trying to stay on focus and stay on track. As I mentioned a moment ago, the devil will be relentless. Can I ask you this morning, where's your confidence? I know that if you're a child of God, you already know the schemes of the devil are out there and sure and true. I know that as a child of God, you know that the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. But as a child of God, can I ask you this? Do you know where your confidence is? Because it's easy to misplace our confidence. I love my wife. She knows it. But she makes a lousy God. And I make a lousy God. And if she tries to misplace her confidence in God by putting it in me, that's when trouble starts, or vice versa. There's only one person to whom is worthy of our confidence, and that is Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, and you have never placed your confidence in Christ. Can I encourage you? It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the best decision I've ever made. To just surrender and say, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> I don't have a plan. Lord, not only that, but I'm messing it up because I'm a sinner. Just like everybody in here. And I have fallen short of the glory of God. And today I know that because I fall short, the wages of my sin is death. But, Jesus, because of my confidence, I'm going to place in what you did on the cross of Christ. Your shed blood and the fact that you were raised from the dead. And I surrender to, to you to be my master. I can place my full confidence on you. And confidence is this, folks. Confidence is not just looking at a chair. And faith is really the word he's saying there. It's, it's like Joey said. It's not just going, oh, I'll go to Africa. It's like, oh, I see that chair will hold me. And going, oh, that chair will hold me. No, confidence and trust is going, I'm going to put all my weight and all my trust in Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I pray for these friends today. It is so easy, even as a believer, even as a preacher, because the schemes of the devil are sure. 
to slowly place confidence in places that are not worthy of my confidence. There is only one place, and it's actually one person. It's you, Lord Jesus. So I pray if there's any friend in here today that needs to place their trust and confidence in you. Maybe it's for the first time that they're not a child of God, and today they'd say, I need to do that for the first time and become a follower of Jesus. I pray that they would do that today. Maybe for some of us who are believers, we need to do that afresh and anew. And say, God, there's areas of my life where I've sur surrendered to the devil's lies and schemes, and I need to once again place my full 100% confidence in you. I pray you'd speak to their hearts today. And while you're praying this morning, just want to give you and the Lord a little bit of time to do business. In just a minute, Joey's going to lead us in a song of invitation. And when the music starts this morning, if you need to do business with the Lord, you can do that, of course, right there from where you sit. But maybe this morning you'd say, I just need to slip out of that pew just to talk to someone so I can be accountable for what God's doing in my heart or speaking to me. And I would say to you, friend, if that's you, we love you. I love you. I'll be here at the front. I'm going to ask my friend Heath to be down here as well. And you respond as God lays on your heart and do what he's asked you to do. Jesus, we love you. Have your way during this invitation. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing together.